Welcome to My Garden, My Life, a podcast designed to inspire you to get thinking about your garden and your relationship with it. I'm Sarah Layton, garden designer founder of Growthfully, and my mission is to help you make the most of the joyful possibilities of your garden, to get designing and gardening your precious outdoor space and enhance your day-to-day well-being. Our gardens link to so much that is important in our lives, to space and connection, nature, passion, and to our very deepest selves. That space outside your door, be it large or small, can literally change your life. These conversations start with the garden and travel to a world of other, sometimes unexpected, subjects. And I absolutely love having them. And I hope you enjoy listening. So before we get started with today's conversation, I'd like to tell you about the little competition I've got running over on Instagram at the moment. It's to win one of my new Stay Home and Garden video advice sessions. So hop on over to my grid, at Growthfully, to have a look and take part. So today's conversation is with Fiona Barrows, founder of the There Are Other Ways podcast and creative business mentor. Fiona explores the experience of living thoughtfully and with intention and has an adoptment she adores in Froome where she lives. She and I met in the Savanaki Forest to have this conversation, which was the first I recorded for my garden, my life. So I'm here with Fiona, Fiona Barrows, who I first met after hearing her podcast, There Are Other Ways. And as someone who very much lives my life a little differently, I loved what she's doing. So... Fiona announced she was offering some creative business mentoring and I jumped at the chance and the rest is history. And I'm so pleased that you you got in touch with me about the mentoring because I have absolutely loved working with you. Oh, that's so sweet of you to say. And it's it's a really good... We're a good team, aren't we? I think so. We are. We we, we really get each other. So, it's lovely to have you here. Thank you. It's lovely to be here (laughs) in the middle of of a forest. It's beautiful. So, should we say something about that? We are... um, well, I'm not going to tell you too much because I'll, I'll look it up and find out some more history yeah, and tell okay. you about the history later. But um, we're sitting in at the, at the picnic table with a breeze under a tree on a sunny day it's beautiful. in a forest. Mm. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself for people who haven't of course, heard of you yet? Of course. I asked that question on my podcast and now when I'm asked it, I absolutely dread it. So I think <laughs> I need to like, I <laughs> need to, I need to think about it because it's a, it's a really hard question to answer. I am, so I, I'm Fiona, I'm a creative business mentor and brand strategist. Uh-huh. Um, there we go, that bit. There we go, get the, get the extra bit in. And I live in Froome in Somerset. I started off offering more sort of like copywriting and brand storytelling services. And then at the beginning of this year, transitioned that into mentoring and kind of helping people help them with their creative businesses and help them to figure out how to communicate what they do the value that they offer and kind of how to move forward because from my own experience having a creative business can be very lonely yeah and and very difficult absolutely and that's one of the things I really really enjoy and appreciate appreciate about working with you is that I can sense check even necessarily but talk about what it is I'm thinking about and compare we'll just discuss what I'm thinking about and you've got great ideas and you can often find a way of putting something that I maybe know I want to say and don't really know how to put and that is all really really helpful and it's growthfully has been quite challenging to describe 
this way this way of working with with gardens and with people mm. and well-being has been difficult to find words for and so it's been really great to have your support and help doing that yeah i think it's because what you're offering is so unique like yeah. there isn't really anyone else doing something similar and i think that it's great when you do that but it does it's not like you can just kind of like look at what someone else is doing and kind of rework it it's Absolutely. you do have to kind of look at it afresh and find a way of communicating the value um, I think what I'm you do because those people are... uh, there's, yeah. there's, like, there's a group of teenagers over there who absolutely have no idea now they're going now but <laughs> well, I like they're both wearing me. the two girls in the same jumper yeah that was a bit odd wasn't it <laughs> anyway sorry anyway. I interrupted you no and I do and I think it's um, and I love and it's just also been so interesting because as we get on this has also been the year when I have got an allotment for the first time and yes. I think we had our first conversation before I got it I think that's and right and so it's been really interesting like as I've been working with you and developing and helping you with your business on gardening and well-being, I've also kind of been uncovering it all for myself as well. Mm. And so it's been very sort of symbiotic, I guess. And that's been really, really lovely to, to watch and to, yeah. to encourage a little bit as well. And yeah, we normally finish our mentoring calls and then, I'm, then we have like a 10-minute yes. chat about... And I ask a, a load of questions. <laughs> and I ask a load of questions. I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> well, I don't know. I think sometimes you're telling me what to do because um, I also... I've got a veg patch for the first time this year. Mm. Uh, it's in my garden. It's not an allotment, but it's it's been a real learning curve. And so we've been mm. comparing. Yeah. And you've just shown me a photo of your butternut squash. My which first butternut is just squash. Beautiful. But mine's bigger. <laughs> oh, okay. I've got well, one. Right. And it's, right. give, me, give, me, give me a chance. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so... <laughs> Is I get like that as well. What I, what I really saw about at the moment is I've got this tomato plant that I've been nourishing for ages and it's got about 30 tomatoes on it and they're all green. Ooh. And I went over to... Um, it's, but it's outside, isn't it? So it it's going is, to take longer. But I went over to um, a friend's house because I said they're away for the week and I offered to water their tomatoes for you them. You get to eat them, you know, while I, they're away. Well, I did. And they've got red tomatoes. And I was just like, what? Is it outside? It's outside. Different variety, though. They're oh, like little so cherry that's the tomatoes. Key. So for next year, yeah. you'll you'll know you want an earlier flat, an earlier. Uh, but I want a cherry thing. tomato. Oh, have um, you not got cherry? No, oh, yeah. I don't even yeah, know absolutely. what variety it is because it was given to me by someone by an allotment friend. Oh uh, yeah. So I've got no idea. They seem quite big. Quite Yours, like mine. And they're not. Yes, because I've got big ones and they've taken a lot longer. Mm. Mine are black crim, but my sun gold, which are a cherry variety, we've been eating for weeks and they're oh, fantastic. Wow. It's like eating little sweeties. Okay. So you need to have those next year. Okay, I will. Because I don't like having green tomatoes when everyone else has red no, tomatoes. No. <laughs> and I'm going back like every day, and the first thing I do when I get to my allotment is check the tomatoes. Oh, that's frustrating. And they're still green. Yeah, so. but it's a real learning. It Talking is. of which. Okay. You know, this is what I wanted us to talk about. Mm. And and going right back to the beginning, what made you want your allotment? So I actually put my name down for an allotment in Froome before I had a flat there, before oh, I nice. had a house. <laughs> I, I had to like sign up before I had an address to put on the form. And I, so the year before I moved to Froome, I spent a year living in Italy on a permaculture farm. And for various different reasons, I didn't learn or do as much as I wanted to. While you were there? While I was there, mainly due to how sexist Italy is 
and oh, really? um, okay, yeah, so. it was definitely yeah, like I was expected to be inside a lot more but what I did do I really really enjoyed and I remember I started I mean I did towards the end definitely um, I was like taking guests out it was like a farm which welcomed like paying guests and so I, I would like take people out in the mornings like harvest vegetables and obviously it's With Italy so yeah so it's tomatoes and aubergines and green peppers and stuff oh, like that fantastic it was amazing and I just got such a I just really enjoyed it and so I I can't even remember how I found out about food allotments, but I think I just found out and I just put my name down thinking, I'm definitely going to move here and I would like one. And so I was on the waiting list for about 18 months, just under. And right, so I, you really had to wait for it. Yeah, and I, it would have been longer if I'd gone for the one in town because apparently that's a lot. Um, there were quite a few different allotment sites uh-huh. around Froome. But the one I have, mm. I don't understand why, why not everyone wants to be there because it's, it's beautiful. It looks out um, over Clay Hill, which is a National Trust hill. It's just out of town. It's got a river running along the bottom. Oh, how gorgeous. All of the, all of the plots face sort of south-east-ish. It gets sun all, all through day. the day. Yeah. There's like no shade. It's just, it's just perfect. And mm. it's so quiet and out there. And good soil? There. Yes. Yes, good soil. And lots of wildlife I mean sometimes to the detriment there has been the rabbits have been running riot this year apparently for the first time I was talking to someone he said we've never had this problem before and oh, that's I interesting. have had that? a frustrating <laughs> I had a carrot massacre um they just completely destroyed all my carrots and so yeah and I just growing up my dad had an amazing vegetable garden and we also had a kitchen garden and we had a um a greenhouse and he just absolutely loved it and we and he grew you know we were pretty much self-sufficient but it was on just t- him your mum wasn't really involved my mum had her herbaceous borders had the bed uh-huh, so it was okay. like she did all the flower gardening it was a very <laughs> gender traditional division of labor yeah, i think yeah and my dad had like the woodshed and the garden and the orchard and the that was and kind of his domain beds. and the veg patch and that <clears> was kind of his domain and yeah, and it, I mean, I look back now and I'm, I so did not appreciate at the time how amazing it was. And yeah, we were pretty much self-sufficient on potatoes and onions and apples and lots of things. I was just, I just, I just really wanted it. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to rent a property that would have a garden big enough for me to grow vegetables. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of put my name down on a bit of a whim. And then this March, April, I got sent through like a letter or an email amazing um, saying Just would you like an allotment and I went yes 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 um <laughs> and yeah and fantastic I yeah and I wanted to go back because when you were describing picking those vegetables with the guests going back yeah. to Italy something changed in the way you were smiling or I just got a sense of how pleasurable how that was a really tangible pleasurable experience to be out there picking those vegetables mm. it's I find it very hard to talk about Italy because it was a year which was massive contrast of ups and downs. Right. So there was a lot that I really struggled with living there. Um, I was the only person who didn't speak fluent Italian and I've never been good at languages. They are just not my forte. And um, it's not easy to guess and it's and not it, like French, is it? No, so if you speak and it was it, a very yeah. tough environment. It was, you know, the Italian men. I was, you know, there was very few women on site. It was just, it was a very, from a social point of view, it was a very difficult year. But I was also, it's also, it was up in the mountains in between Umbria and Tuscany. I climbed a nearby mountain a couple of times a week. I would take the dogs out most mornings and watch the mist in the valley 
rise and I would be out as much as I could in the gardens. And yeah, and I really enjoyed and I kind of found my niche in that I wasn't someone who who was a professional permaculture garden, gardener that a lot of the other people on site knew an awful lot but were also much more interested in kind of like pushing the boundaries and pushing forward and I think they had done sort of five or six years of just growing vegetables and were kind of sort of growing vegetables normally and were just sort of a bit over that they were sort of trying um they were trying like um aquaponics oh, aqua, yeah. aqua, aqua, aquaponics they were trying lots of different things yeah. and kind of like experimenting and Actually, a lot of the guests, I think, really appreciated the fact that I was very clear about the fact that I didn't really know what I was doing, but I kind of picked up how you tell whether an aubergine is ready or not and how you, you know, and I'd kind of picked up enough to be able to teach them. And also I was still like this is an aubergine like we've just grown an aubergine and we're going to have it for lunch and and I, I so still that connection with that the, yeah. yeah and I think they really appreciated that and that was kind of where I found my niche and kind of almost being like a bit of a bridge I think between the guests who were coming who were very enthusiastic but didn't know anything and then most of the other people who lived on site right who were almost too knowledgeable sometimes mm. and were too and I think sometimes that slightly alienated people so you brought um, it, you made it human. Yeah, and I think, and obviously I was just very enthusiastic as well, which yeah. I think always always helps. But what I was picking up before was was about how that supported you, and mm. hearing you talk about taking the dogs out in the morning and getting up mm. into the mountains and yeah. picking the veg and being outside as much as you can, absolutely is what I know for myself mm. and from when I work mm. with people. That that's what supports us when it's a difficult mm. time getting out. It is and being in touch with nature and here we are in the you know yeah it definitely like that is what I look back on that year and think that's what got me through it however tough everything else was I would always like go down to the reservoir and I would take guests down to go wild swimming and oh, wow. I would like take guests on long walks and yes. like all that is what got me through it and yeah. just being able to all just go off on my own for four or five hours with the dogs and be outside and that's kind of what made it worthwhile because it was just beautiful and I just absolutely and I think that was when I really realised how important it is for me to spend time outside and to be somewhere wild and beautiful. And and I think that was, yeah, that was a lesson I learned that year. So your allotment isn't wild? No. I guess. You've said it, no. it's got lovely views. And I'm wondering how that plays out with your relationship with your allotment now, that, that place to go to be outside where you're growing your stuff and you're learning your... Yeah, it's a different thing yes it is very different it's I think it's like I don't I wouldn't I can't see I can't see a life where I only do one or the other I can't I can't imagine me not walking and not loving having a backpack on my back and a picnic and a flask of water and just you know and exploring and equally I love going outside and and sort of having a I guess it's almost like you have a closer connection to that one little bit of soil. Yeah. And you get to know that bit, that it's they're five metres by 15 metres I measured recently. And it's that is my little patch of soil and you get to know it and it kind of, yeah. And you get to know the names of the worms. Yes, not quite. <laughs> I mean, give them. There is a robin who is always there. and yeah, who, um, who comes when you're there. Who comes when I'm there and who I do I see it. on a regular basis. Yeah. I'm yeah. fairly certain it's the same robin. So, yes, yeah. yeah, so I need to give him a name. It's a him. Well, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I don't <laughs> know how you girl. tell. I don't know how you tell the difference. <laughs> so, I think I'm going to ask you 
Are you surprised that it's been... I mean, it seems like a silly question because I think you've already answered it, actually. Um, it's such an important thing. I am. That's the thing. I am actually surprised. But then I think, well, why am I surprised? But what I, what I have been joking about a bit recently is that... Um, like, when I lived in London, I was very much a Londoner. Like, I had, like leather jacket and high-heeled ankle boots and I would get annoyed (laughs) and like and I I mean I don't own own a single pair of high heels now and I would get annoyed at people being slow and dawdling on the tube and um, would have like sharp elbows and go out for cocktails and and I was did you know you were like that were you happy like that no I it's a hard one and it's something I've spoken about a bit recently because it's I don't want to kind of like look back on hindsight and rewrite what was actually true yeah because I had a lot of fun when I lived in London and actually I'm really pleased that I spent six years there and that I really went for it like I had a food blog and I was going out to a lot of cool bars and restaurants and had a lot of fun and I did enjoy myself but there was also this feeling of I was wearing someone else's clothes and that it was like I was playing a part like I was acting like a Londoner rather than actually being a Londoner being a Londoner and I'm really pleased I did it but I also look back and I think well I used to do British military fitness on Hampstead Heath which is just running around in the yeah, cold no, in the I dark know. I know I've seen you I might have seen you and it, well, you might have and I loved it and I used to like come back covered in mud absolutely grinning and then I also think about we went to Wales I, with a group of girlfriends we went to Wales for a walking holiday and I just remember how happy I was that weekend and I just remember not wearing any makeup and just like skipping along and I remember thinking, oh, this is interesting. Like, it's weird. That it's interesting that I'm so happy in this environment. So having that self-awareness to yeah. notice yourself and notice the impact that that environment was having mm. on you. And then, like, the year travelling and then a year living in Bali and then the year in Italy. Like, it's all kind of... Like, because of all those experiences, it doesn't surprise me, I guess. Mm. But I think that, like, me from six years ago would be very confused right now mm. if she could see me now getting excited about compost <laughs> and I think she would be a bit like what so she didn't have any inklings or she was may, may, maybe mm. having just the odd experience of being out for a weekend and having a lovely time but then coming back and putting her heels back on and exactly just getting back in, getting and back my life. parents live on the north Norfolk coast and I would go home and I'd love love walking along that path and and I definitely, we had a, you know, a new year in the Lake District. And I, I have really, really fond memories all the time I got away. But I was always going back to London and back into that role and lifestyle. And it's just, but I also think I'm just very adaptable. And I just think that maybe if I had stayed in London, I would still be like that. And because I have yeah, moved so out, like, it? you kind of, I have sort of like reinforced those characteristics by the choices I've made. And that's an interesting idea, that idea of being adaptable and how adaptable we can be Mm. before we actually adapt so much that we aren't ourselves anymore or before we adapt so much that we're not happy. It's, It's interesting because I, when I was living in London, I had this like real like bugbear and this is why I sound like a bit of a... It, I, I was like who am I was like my like main question I was like and I just felt like I had no idea and it was something that was really bothering me and I remember f- saying to my mum like I just feel like I'm just made of glass or like a mirror I just reflect the people around me mm. and people would tell me that I was something and I would be and I'd take it on board and think oh yes that's what I am when it wasn't true so what's changed that what's what do you think the process is of you're saying exactly the right thing because I was then going to say yeah so it was, I think, it's spending time on my own, namely that year travelling solo. Right. Because I think that, I think I naturally am someone who is, I'm a people pleaser. I do think 
I I like being liked. It's something I'm working on because you know <laughs> how how to how to like not being liked. How to how to how to there's not a, need a, to be liked. Yeah, is, isn't there a podcast called that? Oh, maybe. So the courage not to be liked. Or oh, something. that's what I need. I need to I need to listen to that. <laughs> yeah. um, so the time traveling solo, and I think that what I needed was to get away from everyone else's thoughts and opinions and everyone else's like because I think what is it it's in um Anne Lam oh god what's her name Anne Lamott who uh, yes um wrote but bird by bird and she talks about how our we all have like our brains or like whatever is like an acre of land and it's up to us to kind of fence it off and grow and nurture what we want on there. And like expanding that metaphor, I feel that before when I was living in London, I didn't have any fences and I was just letting people trample all over it and I didn't have any control of it. Mm. And so I, you were like boundarily boundaryless. Boundless. Completely. Boundless. <laughs> Bound, boundless? No, that's yeah, not yeah. right. Bound, boundaryless. Yeah. And I think that there is something about travelling solo and taking yourself physically away from everyone away from your friends and your parents and everyone else's expectations and thoughts and it just becomes very clear very obvious very clear very quickly what you actually like and what you're actually like because you there's no point in pretend there's no one to pretend for there's no one to please if you're a people pleaser because you're just on your right. own so you might as well go where you want and at your own pace spend your, your money how you want yeah. And just be who you want. Right. And I think that I really needed that. And I think, and I look back now and I can see that that was the main benefit of that year, travelling solo. Because it just gave me that space to just kind of get everyone else's opinions and thoughts and ideas and everyone else just out of my head and wipe the slate clean and start again. That is such an interesting way of thinking about it. Because I've spent my life... And I've never travelled on my own, mm. ever, actually. And in fact, I historically really find it difficult. And I think it might be because I've never done it. And I'm a bit, you know, I'm not that young anymore, 53. And it doesn't feel so easy to do, I suppose, now. But, but, but what was interesting for me was getting away from my mum, mm. actually. And she had a lot of opinions, mm. a lot of opinions. And, I mean, I think it's a lifelong job, isn't it? Being able to <laughs> recognise which are our ideas and which are our mm. mothers or our families or somebody else's and finding, finding those boundaries mm. and finding those I, I really would encourage people to travel solo and I it was something I really wanted to do for a long time and just never had the courage to or never it just never quite came off and then I kind of had to for a weekend and I realised that not only could I do it but I, I could enjoy it mm. and that was sort of the turning point for me so you did it for a short time first practised so what I did was I, so, so I was, oh, I was meant to go away to Copenhagen with a friend, a guy friend, and things, sort of, we had a big argument about a week before for various different reasons, and suddenly it was very obvious we couldn't go together. And everyone was telling me, just don't go, just don't go. And I was like, no, I really, really want to go. And um, so I just thought, effort, sorry, I don't know whether you would like swearing on your Probably, podcast I don't know, I don't know, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm jury's out on that. Okay, so, <laughs> it, and um, I'm just going to go, and I, um, and I have a poster on my wall of Copenhagen, it's like a, I bought it when I was out there, like Copenhagen, and it is of a walking along the river, and I remember the moment when the thought popped into my head, oh, I'm enjoying this. And it was that how lovely. And it was, and I remember it so clearly. And I remember the weather. I remember how I felt. I just remember thinking, oh, actually, it's not because I never really worried whether I'd be able to do it. I've always been the person in the group who takes the lead and who books and who, 
you know, who does the kind of organising side yeah, of it. Yeah, so that yeah. wasn't so much what was worrying me. It was more like, am I going to enjoy it? Yes. And so it was Or would that, you be lonely? Were you worried yeah, about being lonely? Yeah, I was very worried about being lonely. And I, to be fair, like, I mean, I travelled solo for nine months and I was lonely at times. Yeah. And I think... I think I learned not to be so scared of being lonely. And I was going to say, it's just a feeling, isn't it? it it's is. like any other emotion it and feeling, is. and it comes and it goes. And and also, you don't necessarily need, you just need little moments of human connection. Yes. You, that's all, and you can get that from sitting in a coffee shop. And yes. I have got very good at like making conversation with people in coffee shops. And, and you're and telling me you go to your coffee shop every day. Yeah, I mean, and that is, you know, I make conversation with people around me quite easily now yeah. because I have had that experience of just needing that like five minutes of human connection a day to recognize I'm actually still here yeah and to feel like you're part of the world rather yeah. than just kind of like drifting through yeah. it yeah um so yeah so I did a weekend in Copenhagen then I did a weekend by myself in Stockholm which was planned by myself and then I it was sort of like so the weekend in Copenhagen was like beginning of December and I left the not the next February the February after that to go traveling so going back to the idea of founding finding your boundaries and recognizing that it's necessary to to protect Anne Lamott's mm. idea of protecting the acre yeah. that you've got. I'm interested in how that plays out in terms of how you're living now and how your allotment because for you it's an allotment. When we were talking about you'd love a garden but, mm. but you'd probably still keep your allotment even when you have your garden. How that has how that plays into because there's a whole social scene isn't there with the allotment there's a whole learning curve there's a whole self-dependency mm. so this has been a learning curve and it's actually very interesting you just saying that because I've just sort of realized something as you were saying that so when I got offered the allotment I went out and I was met there by the lady who like runs the allotment association mm-hmm. and I think she has probably had a bad experience with you people told me about this taking, so yeah to- taking you know, she really seemed to not want me to take it. Right. Possibly because I am female and possibly because I'm young and possibly because I'm on my own. But she just sort of was like, oh, you're going to do it on your own, are you? And, like, kept making, saying it's a lot of work, it's a lot of work. Like, oh, you've got all these tides, you're going to have to pay to get rid of them. And, oh, it's a lot of work and, oh, this isn't very good. And I just thought, do you not want me to have it? Like, mm. she was really, like, putting the fear into me a bit and I suddenly and I had a bit of a like a meltdown when I got home and I was just like I've wanted this for so long and I've suddenly been offered it and suddenly I I had this thing of like can I do this Mm. and and it really upset me and I just really disagree with that because I really feel like allotments I feel very strongly that allotments shouldn't just be for people who know what they're doing but they should be you know a learning curve and it should be okay for people to get an allotment and to experiment and to not know what they're doing and to not be massively productive because as I'm sure we'll get on to like the mental health benefits and the well-being and I think there's so such an amazing thing you know being able to offer someone like a bit of ground on which to grow I think is just an incredible thing and I feel really strongly that there shouldn't be this sort of like screening process this idea that you actually need to know what you're doing before you've done it and also that as that's what we were talking about before mm. isn't it the whole kinesthetic learning yes this idea of doing we were both talking before we started talking Mm. on on whatever this is on mic about this idea that we learn as we go along Mm. i absolutely feel like this i i did so much reading before Mm. i started my veg beds and it's only in the process of doing that I now go back to those same books and think, ah, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. I understand it. Exactly the same. And I got like a book on allotmenting and I started reading it. And then I was, and I just, none of it really made sense to me because I had no context. So, and also 
books on vegetables they tend to kind of be a bit too they talk about like the ph of the soil and you need to like lime and slightly sort of and scientific I, I, and i that wasn't really how i did it and i just kind of got to the stage where i was like no it's i'm just going to try and experiment and i'm not going to put any pressure on myself this year and i'm going to see what happens and i'm just going to give it a go and i did feel quite like self-conscious the first few times i was like thinking that everyone in all the other allotments was like look at me being like are you doing it is she doing it wrong like i was really like scared i also got my parents to come and help and they offered obviously and they really really enjoyed it but going back to what you said about the acre the last few months or so i've actually sort of said they came down recently and I sort of said and my dad said do you want any help and I said no actually I want to do it myself mm. because I think that perhaps I had let them come in and then suddenly I kind of had that separation where it wasn't the first couple of weeks I was literally just pulling weeds out of the ground but I don't think I've ever found my a lot I don't think I've ever found anything more satisfying I loved it I loved that I was going out there and every time I left I could see an improvement yes. I didn't know what I was doing I didn't know what was weed and what wasn't and I just kind of went for it and then my parents came in to help and we kind of sorted it out and I'm really really pleased that I got that help but at the same time it kind of then suddenly it wasn't mine it wasn't my bit of ground I kind of slightly lost that connection and then the last few months when they haven't been down I've sort of kind of taken back I feel like I've sort of taken back control of it and it's not looking great at the moment and there's a lot of work that I need to do but I'm kind of okay with that I would rather it just be mine because Mm. it has sort of become like my little safe space that I am very protective over now. So tell me more about that safe space. Oh, I just love it. I just, there is just something about, I do just breathe a sigh of relief when I get out there. There is just that big... So there's a tangible... There is, and I used to, before I was driving, I used to always walk out, which was actually really lovely, because it was sort of a half-hour walk, and the last ten minutes or so are through fields. Oh, lovely. So really nice. And then I'd walk back with my rucksack, like, stuffed full of, like, yes. charred and leeks. leeks and, hanging out. <laughs> and, like, and then a handful of posy of um, sweet peas in my hand. And actually, um, someone who I know in Froome mentioned to me the other day, he said that, oh, we, I, walk, I drove past you when you're on your way back from the allotment. I said to my partner, now that is a contented person. Because apparently I was just, like, walking along grinning. Oh, how like, And I was just like, I have a little posse and I have, like, my <laughs> vegetables and I'm always covered in mud. And it's just something that is just totally like I have friends out there and you know we've had like um drink evening drinks out there and I just when the peas were in bud and we were just eating raw peas and and friends will come out and help me but it just feels like it is that sense of it's mine yeah and that feels like it's really really important this yeah sense of it being yours and your effort and your choices and my your mistakes your sweat and your mistakes and your successes and also my my mistakes and my learning and I yeah. and as as I've said I am I think we're both kinesthetic I'm learning so I do need to I learn by doing and I have learned an awful lot like and I and I do feel that I want to kind of keep learning and what are you learning about yourself because obviously we can talk about what you're learning about which tomato varieties to to grow but from the perspective of growing with your garden and 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 growth what are you learning about yourself I mean a very big dog that (laughs) that is quite a big dog (laughs) it's gone now Uh, I mean I I mean the garden is just and we always we could talk about this quite a lot in mentoring because it's 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 just there's just so many metaphors in the garden and in allotmenting and applying to business and to life and we quite often they quite often come up in our mentoring calls and you know I think it's just it's just like this and I mean I think in terms of what I've learned about myself it is how much I love it and also the simple 
things. I think I am someone who just gets a lot of pleasure out of the simple things. And there is that phrase, that as long as you've got like a library and a garden, you're happy. And I yes, do really, absolutely. that really resonates yeah. with me. Yeah. So I think that that is something that is really important to me. And that I do have a tendency to overcomplicate things. And actually there is something about growing vegetables. It's just a very sort of like neat, simple process like it's not easy and like obviously like not everything works out but at the end of the day you sow seeds and they grow into something that you eat and as long as you take care of them you know yeah. they'll be all and right nothing comes along and eats them for you exactly but also and also that you can't control it i mean maybe that's a good lesson a good metaphor is that i um fennel is one of my favorite favorite vegetables and i was so excited to grow it and it started coming up and i was so excited and they just haven't fattened up and i don't know oh why i've got about 10 or 15 of them and and i think they they're about to fit. bolt now they just oh. don't they just haven't fattened up and it i was trying everything yeah i was trying everything but you know and that was something i really wanted to grow and it didn't grow oh. but then equally lots of other lovely stuff grew yeah. So that's an interesting one, isn't it? There you go. That's the sort of thing we talk about a lot, the the, the idea of putting effort into something new Mm. and maybe it doesn't get received the way you want it to be and maybe it doesn't come off and you learn from it and how else can you get the result that you're after through doing it this way? How else can we get it through doing it that way? And also appreciating it. You know, my fennel hasn't grown, but I've had fantastic crops of beetroot and bore beans and peas and potatoes and lots of other lovely Amazing, stuff and yes. if I was just fixated on this fennel then you'd feel like a failure then I would feel like a failure but actually if you look at it as a whole yeah um there's been loads of good stuff mm. there and I've and I've been thinking about what I've been learning as well on my mm. with my vegetable patch experiences and the one big thing I've really learned is about procrastination okay because I find it really tricky sometimes to to make a decision and do something and actually follow it through and actually take action because I think there's an element of perfectionism and fear and I really saw this in my with Mm. my with my patch because I grew all these amazing seeds and they were all these amazing seedlings and then I didn't quite know where to put them in the ground mm. and what was going to make an attractive veg patch because obviously as a designer mm. I want it to look lovely of course. too but because I wasn't compl- I'd not done it before and I wasn't completely sure and my my area is a funny shape it's not mm. an obvious squares you know squares with a thing in the middle I didn't quite know so I started putting some things in and I just kept holding on to others in their little pots mm. and I had them in nine centimeter pots I transplanted them into their nine centimeter pots from being little seedlings mm. and then they just sat there and I could see them not looking so happy. And I could see the ones that were in the ground swelling and getting mm. bigger. I'm thinking about uh, marigolds particularly, Kenendula. Yeah. Um, and the comparison between the ones I put in when I should have put them in in the ground and the ones that I put in several weeks later when I thought I've really got to get them in the ground, they've never, compa- they've never quite caught up. No. And so that's really taught me I just have to go for it, you know, because the worst will happen is I'll have got it in the wrong place and then I'll move it. Mm. Or the worst will happen is your fennel won't grow and then next year exactly. you'll have another Exactly. And, and you do just learn by doing. Like, there is so much that I have learned and that I will just do better. Like, there are things I will just do better next year. Yes. Like, I think that's the thing. It's just thinking, okay, well, that was the lesson learned. I put my runner beans in way too early and they all died. So, okay, next so year. before the frost. Before the, before the last frost, yeah. Yeah, um, last frost. So, yeah, so next year they will go in after the last frost. Yes. And hopefully I will have a good crop of runner beans. But, yes, it is. And I think my perfectionism was... It, again, it has really taught me that you can't really be perfectionist. I got it in the beginning of April and everyone around me already had stuff in the ground. And so I had this kind of, like, manic 
two or three weeks of mm. trying to feel like I was playing catch up and a load of stuff went in at the wrong time and which was kind of good because I was just like anything I get this year is a bonus and if I can just grow something this year that and will be a success. And you've done incredibly well. Yeah I've been amazed at how much I've grown this year. And in um, fact it doesn't seem to matter I mean there's all these rules that you have to put it in this particular no. month or the I don't really understand why some things I think I do for some mm. some crops but it my I put my meadow in in the, the beginning of June and, and it's, it's been amazing but the lady who put hers in in April hers has been amazing too it just was earlier so that's a real learning isn't it yeah I the think it's we're not going to spoil it by not doing things perfectly and that you don't just have to follow the rules all the time and that yes. it goes back to those books where they talk about the pH and you get a bit overwhelmed and yeah. actually to grow vegetables you just need to put seeds in the ground and make sure they have enough water though my potatoes have had scab Ah, oh, and that what's is that? that is a well. It literally looks like scabs. Ooh. It's you know you can you can brush it off, and the potatoes okay. underneath are absolutely perfect. But they I couldn't enter them to the horticultural show. They oh, wouldn't no. have run, you know, Oh no, look terrible. <laughs> but they taste great. Scabby well, there yes. you go. That's but all right. It has to do with the fact that I've got very light soil and I didn't mm. really water, and that's been interesting because I, with my history in, in you know in ornamental gardening mm. I am quite hard to my plants I like them to get their roots down I don't water them that much once they're established and I kind of treated my vegetables a bit like that <laughs> and then I've learned that actually no with vegetables you actually have to water them you do. every two or three days and I didn't so my potatoes got scabby so there's well, a learning there you go there you go <laughs> vegetables need more care than flowers yeah. so we mentioned mental health mm. how are you with your allotment and how does that do you notice the difference when you can't get down there yeah i mean i think from a mental health perspective my allotment has been a bit of a saving grace this year i think it has been a really positive factor overall i do definitely notice that if i don't i mean the thing is is um i mean i've had i have had a rough year with my mental health so can i just stop a second because i realize that i've gone with this overall term of mental health and actually yeah i really prefer to to name things yeah so you're ta- you you're when you talk about mental when i mentioned it yep. but for you you, you it's ang- well i have i have anxiety and depression but predominantly anxiety so you feel anxious in advance of experience of doing things yes go through periods of anxiety i go through so i have always had panic attacks i started when i was about 16 right, okay. um so that very like rush like very very high and then I have also so a I, high rush of high rush, rush of, of adrenaline, and it just they kind of come not come out of nowhere. They build up, but, but your heartbeat yeah, pounding and heartbeat panning and sweating and yeah, and just so panic attacks. Yeah, and then also my so I started having CBT, and my therapist has kind of described it as um so sorry that's cognitive behaviour therapy as your power nervous system is my power nervous system is overactive. So and I don't calm down. So I have patches where. I just have too much adrenaline in my body yeah. and I can't get rid of it. And you and I'm yet. always on edge. And you wake up in the morning and it's like you wake up every morning as if you've got an exam that day. Yeah. And it's that feeling it's of like a tight intensity. stomach. And a lot of my anxiety is um, linked to social situations. And then also I had I did have very specific anxiety about driving as well. Um, which you're conquering. Which I am. I mean, I drove here. Yeah, I drove absolutely. here. I am getting on top of yeah, that one. Absolutely. And then also the sort of depression sort of comes and goes a bit more and but in terms of the anxiety it just means I'm just very very anxious but not able to do anything about anything so you kind of end up just feeling anxious about things and then also thinking well there's no point me doing anything about this right so it's that sort of like um self-defeating sort of yes self-cycle cycle yes so where does the how does the allotment and getting outside in nature and those behaviors and activities 
it just Support helps you. I mean it goes back I guess to that sort of safe space I think that also um, so that space that's yours that that's you've made mine, for yourself where it's calm and there's and also as a again this is like a psychological term but a highly sensitive person i do struggle with a lot Absolutely. of input hsp yes it up. there's a there's a whole group of them in the states it's very highly yeah you know, there's a book in the, yeah, and yeah exactly um there are quizzes you can take and basically it just means that like input i can't cope with a lot of input and i do get very anxious when there is a lot of input and at my allotment there's not there's no. not a lot it's very quiet it's very peaceful and then also and we've spoken about this a bit before, but a lot of my anxiety is quite sort of existential in the sense that, like, I just, I, I say, I, I worry about, like, the state of the world and the meaning of life and all these, like, really big, ridiculous questions. Well, they're not ridiculous. A lot of people are thinking about them, but it's yeah. not that you're going to necessarily have an answer. No, exactly. And yeah. there's nothing that I can really do about it. And there is something about, as I said, about the simplicity of growing vegetables and yes. of there being a real clear purpose. Yes. So, you know, I go out to my, my allotment and I tend and I weed and I water and then in a month's time I will be feeding myself. I'll be yep. nourishing myself. Yep. And that very, very like simple cause and effect that I think I find really helpful. And then also you know, this year I've had a patch of where I have really taken the, um, you know, I've been I've been continuing working, but I have very much taken the pedal off my business in the sense that, like, I haven't really been promoting myself or trying to get new clients, which is something that I made a very deliberate decision to do, and I'm really pleased that I did. But it was nice having my allotment through that time where I was really getting a sense of, like, satisfaction and achievement. And being creative. And, and being still, creative yeah. and feeling like, oh, I have actually achieved something here. Yeah. Like, I have grown. Yeah something that will nourish me and will nourish my friends and is kind of useful I and guess. you have the space yes. and I was thinking as you were talking about the weeding and the tending and the deadheading and whatever I don't know if you mentioned mm. deadheading but the, the actual task mm. the physical using our hands to do something and focusing on that it, actually is very very mindful and you're in the yeah. present and I never I have never listened to music or podcasts or anything when I'm out there and I don't even really tend to check my phone I mean, my phone's there, but it tends to just sit there. I take a few photos and that's it. And so it is, it, yeah, it does. It kind of puts me into the present and gives me a, a job to do and something. Yeah, to and I come on back. outside yourself as well. Yeah, and I feel like I have done something useful. And I think that when you're having a bad patch of depression, especially, and anxiety, you kind of feel like your days are just... I had patches where I felt like my days were just going and I wasn't achieving, I wasn't mm, doing anything. Mm. And actually having that, you know, coming home and feeling a bit sore because you've dug and f- seeing the dirt under your fingernails and I just kind of had that sense of, actually, no, I have done something today. Yes. That was actually really positive. And there's that saying, isn't there? I've got a little, a little, um, like a little china porcelain thing mm. that says, do something today that, you, that your future self will thank you for. And there's yeah. a real sense of that with your allotment, isn't there? You're digging now and you're tending yeah. now for your future self to... Exactly. And so it's sort of hopeful as well. It's sort of thinking about Absolutely. the future and it's investing in the future and investing in your future, which I think is really important when you're having a, a rough patch. And when you, invest, when you mm. nurture your soil mm. and nourish it and feed yeah. it and, and hope to have it for years and years yeah. and years to come. And also from a physical perspective, fresh air, getting Keeping outside, exercise. Yep. You know, I adore walking, as I've mentioned, but, you know, it, it is hard to get out walking when I'm feeling really, really low because there's not a purpose to it. Mm-hmm. But I did actually start off walking to my allotment because that felt like 
I have to get out to water and to yeah. and it felt like there was a purpose to it. And then um, you've had a good walk and you probably feel better than you've had your And walk. also my sleep has, is really bad generally and unless I get a lot of exercise I just don't sleep. So right. then I would then sleep better and so I think it really did sort of help me to just sort of begin to just get back into a bit of a better place and yeah. just kind of begin to re-establish better habits. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? It is all from just from like a, a little piece of ground. 15 metres by five. Yeah. That costs you? £25 a year. Amazing. Isn't it that is, incredible? It is brilliant it really is i think they are i I think allotments are so underappreciated and i think that there should be a lot more of them around the uk yeah absolutely and Mm. that's a that's a whole different discussion and i think we're going to have to stop we've been talking we have for 50 50 50 minutes minutes, yeah absolutely we could i mean we could just keep talking we could just keep talking but i think i am going to stop us fair enough (laughs) so thank you thank you so much You can find Fiona at Fiona Barrows on Instagram and her podcast, There Are Other Ways, is accessible anywhere you normally find your podcasts. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, please do subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the podcast and every time I read one, I really do let out a shriek of delight. If you'd also consider sharing the love on your Insta stories, that would be amazing. The show notes for this episode are on my website at www.growthfully.co.uk and Growthfully has an F for Freddie in the middle, where you can also sign up for my newsletter, read my blog and find out how I can help you create the garden you'll love. In my one-to-one online sessions, we cover layout design and styling, planting, gardening, whatever you need to help you make the most of that precious space. So I think that's it for now. Until next time, enjoy your garden.